Welcome again to Stop Sweeping It Under the Carpet Uncut. Hi guys, how are you doing? It's Jacqueline Francis here and welcome to another episode of Stop Sweeping It Under the Carpet. I have a special guest for you today and her name is Teresa. And um, just in case you guys don't know, I um, do interviews with ladies who want to tell their stories of domestic abuse. Because as we can see since covid um well, since the pandemic, actually, we have been on lockdown and there has been a rise in domestic abuse. So it's really shone a spotlight on this particular area. But, you know, I am a domestic peace advocate and I'm here to say that we don't, we no longer want it to be a taboo subject. So we have ladies on who want to share their stories. So, Teresa, if I can ask you to introduce yourself for me, please. Hello, everyone. My name is Teresa Uber. I am originally from Mozambique, but live in Zimbabwe for many years. I'm here today. I'm here today not just to share my story, but also to help someone who's living life in fear, rejection, and abuse, and believing that there is no way out. I got married when I was 17. My husband started abusing me on our wedding day by leaving me at our wedding reception and going to attend another party. He knew that he could do anything that he desired to me. He knew that I didn't have a home to go back to. Besides, that's why I wanted to get married. I wanted to leave my siblings and find a better home for myself with less fists, but instead, I found a genius with these formulas on how to abuse me. I got a child when I was 18 and I took abuse as a phase because growing up, that's all I experienced. I would think that will pass, will calm down his nerves and will love me again. But the more we spent time together, the more brutal he was. He beat me up every day like was fighting a giant animal. He would only stop when he was satisfied. He would pour petrol on me as he wanted to light me on fire. This was part of my daily doses. Taking place of my body would be bleeding and others would be bruised with purple, black and blue. And then he would leave home and coming back the following day. My eye was damaged. I have to be operated. The doctor asked me if I ever played kickboxing. I was damaged from the inside out. My life was rooted in insecurity, self-hate and guilt. He was an alcoholic, womanizer, and he had all the bad addictions that, that you could think of. He would break our furniture that he knew that he could break because he had no value and he lived in that television that he knew once was broken. He could have never replaced that. I was discovered by the grace of God, by this lady who was in the salon that I worked for. She was, she was just what Jacqueline is doing, the love and the patience to help other people. She recognized the signs of domestic violence, even though I was wearing long sleeves and makeup. She approached me and asked, what happened to you? I just had to say my husband. She said to me, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And she was back with the camera. We went to the back and she took photographs of my body. And then she proceeded in sending me to the professionals that I was not aware of their existence before speaking to her. They told me, Teresa, this man is going to kill you. This is not right. You might have been brought up in an environment like this, but this is not right. You have to get the restraining order. And through that, they gave me the power and understanding of what I had to do in order to save my own life. Certain. You okay? Yes. Okay. Yes. I got divorced. 
I got divorced and I have I felt lighter. I had to learn how to have a normal life again and get this and get the strength and independence. I was married for 14 years and my daughter was 12 years when he left when he went back to Mozambique. I went for counseling and looking for answers. Today, I am a free and independent lady. I do public speaking in order to help someone who is going through domestic violence. And through that, I found myself. I'm writing a book. Keep an eye out for it. It's going to be launched in a year or so. It's a story about my life from my early days to now. How I managed to overcome adversity and to be here, the lady who I'm speaking to today. The title of my book is Eroded. Eroded. Domestic violence always happens from the hands of people that we live with, the people that we love, we care and trust. And because of that, we are most vulnerable. But it is a way out. And you must always remember that. It's very important that we come out and we educate boys and men as well. Because it all starts from there, from them. In Zimb the, the law in Zimbabwe protects women 100%. And it's, it is being viewed as the most progressive law in protecting women. However, when I approached the police station for, uh, for, for help, the only thing that they could do, it was just a report. But and then I was informed if I went to the central, to magistrate court, then I would get a proper help. And then they did. I felt safe, protected, and lifted. I didn't need a lawyer or I didn't need to spend a single cent. The law protected me 100%. So ladies, if you are going through domestic violence, please, please be brave and take the necessary precautions if you find yourself in that position. And no, it's difficult. It's hard to leave that place because you are hoping, you are praying for that person to change. But that person will never going to change. He might not kill you physically, but will kill you mentally. And please just do it because you you is going to be better in the long run. As I want you to remember, always remember the words of the Maya Angelou. And and still I rise. Please, lady, keep rising above. As you as you're also approaching the International Women's Day, I want you to always think of this. We'll run the world. <laughs> Girls, please, lady, remember that we are very powerful and we can do anything we desire. We just have to start doing something. Back to you, Jacqueline. Okay, thank you so much for that, um, Teresa. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, we have a comment from Sadia Islam. Thank you so much for joining us. And for those um, who's just jumped on, we are talking about, um, you know, well, Teresa's talking about her experience of domestic abuse. And to let her know, we'll let everyone know that her life matters too. Um, Sadia's comment says, wow, so lovely, Teresa. It's great hearing from you. You are an inspiration for women, for ladies having abuse in their life. Thank you. Um, so Sadia was with me. Um, I've interviewed Sadia as well, and she's also shared her story. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, um, if people don't hear our stories, then they won't know that abuse is going on. And I just want to go back to the beginning when you were talking about um, originally you are from Mozambique and you came to Zimbabwe and you married at such a young age. Is it, was it an arranged marriage or is it something that you and your parents wanted to do? Uh, no one wanted to, no, 
my mother she wasn't she wasn't she couldn't look after me i lived with my siblings but uh, they couldn't look after me they never gave me love or showed me love or any anything to do with with that affection for a child so i decided that if i got married i was going to have my own home and i'll find someone who could love me but um, unfortunately because our surrounding growing up they were only like that so i could never have imagined to find somebody good wow. so that those are the people that you surround us so it's where you find uh, all the relate they're all related to my family so it was okay. right okay and i mean i can't even imagine when you said, I mean, it shocked me when you said that you had petrol thrown over you, that he wanted to, to burn you yes. alive. I mean, I'm trying, yes. I can't even imagine that, you know, how successful, or, um, you know, what happened in, in that respect? Do you have scars or were you able to get away or? Oh, oh, this. The, the screen has frozen. Um, okay, well, while she gets herself sorted out, well, the screen, the internet, really. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, but you can still hear me? I can hear you now. You froze for a while, but I can hear you now. Yeah, I was asking about the... Um, the, the petrol being thrown on you. How did that... Can you hear me? Oh, oh gosh, we've lost her. Okay, well, while we wait for um, Teresa to jump back on, my apologies um, that the internet connection is not strong enough um, in Zimbabwe where she's calling from. But um, to recap on what she said, she said that she got married at quite an early age. Um, she wasn't looked after by her parents. She was looked after by her siblings who obviously couldn't cope and she, she didn't experience any love or affection or anything like that. So she was married at such an early age, but in that early relationship, she was um, abuse started actually on the day. Hold on, let's see if I could add her back. Hi, hi. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> right. Okay. So, guys, if you do have any comments or questions that you might like to ask um, Teresa, please do put it in the comments box, and we would um, we will read them out. I was just saying, Teresa, you know, the, you said that um, that the abuse actually started on the day that you were married, but with regards to the petrol being thrown over you, did it leave? Um, you know, trying to set you alight. Did it leave any scars? Was it successful? What happened in that respect? Also, because it didn't, you, I, I managed to run, mm. but also, if you had put me, if you had light that fire, I'm sure I would, I would have been all burned. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, thank goodness. But, mm. Yeah, yeah. But he tried everything. He tried all, everything he knew how to abuse. He did mm. all. He, because he knew that I didn't have any family to run to. I yeah. didn't have any. Who was there for me? Nobody. So I have to to fight. To fight and to try to do what I had to do. Yes. Of course. Absolutely. And you said that, I mean, when you went to work, one of the your ladies, your manager, noticed something about you what was it that she noticed that led her to believe that you were in, in an abusive relationship what were the signs actually she wasn't my manager she was a client who was there because okay. i used to work all the time and no one ever said anything because when you go to work at link they just want you to do the work and they don't want to interfere it's not everyone who has your spirit yeah. that they're going to help me but of course there's always an angel who comes and is God sends these angels, they're everywhere. And she noticed. She noticed and she came to me and she asked me. And then she took a lot of photographs of me and she sent me for counseling to the lawyers. They could speak to me and they told me this is not right. Mm -hmm. And 
believe me, I didn't have to pay a single cent. She was so beautiful that she, she, she felt so bad for me. And she really wanted to help me to get out of that place. Yeah. I like how you use the term angel. Do you know what I mean? Because most of the time, some people may see the signs, but pay, you know, not pay any mind to it, turn a blind eye, so to speak towards yes. those signs or don't really want to ask any questions or get involved and I think the sheer fact that she got involved she was your angel you know yeah how many people they saw me like that but yeah. no one no one really said anything even my neighbors even yeah. my neighbors when this husband was beating me and I was screaming I would just want to break the window no one came and say are you okay yeah you said you yeah. said you, you said um, that the angel, you know, the, the client saw the sign. What was it, the bruising? What was it that she saw? I think because my face and my ear, they had some bruises also in my part of my hand. It was really blue or purple. Yes. Yeah. She saw. Yes. Yeah. She saw something that I thought I was covered. She just recognized something that I never knew that I was like, something was out and she came. What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, at that age, um, so how old were you at that age? Seven, at that time, 17? But when I was in Araria, it was, I came when I was 19, yes. When you were yes. 19. So you were married for, what, two years? I was married for 14 years. 14 years. Okay. Yes, yes, when I got divorced, yes. Right. So to stay with someone for 14 years, was that abuse on a regular basis or maybe on a regular yes. basis? Yes, yes. That's all he enjoyed to do. He yeah. felt like men. He felt like he could do anything because I didn't have a home. And um, also... He wasn't happy when I went to look for a job because these kind of people, they don't want you to, to work. They don't mm. want you to separate you from everything. Yeah. Even they don't want you to be friends of your family. They want to cut you from everyone. Yeah. But for, yeah. some reason, for some reason, I said, to, I am going to work. Yeah. I'm so glad that you had that strength because many perpetrators, as you said, try to isolate their partners, not yes. mean, you know, um, as you said, he didn't want you to work, um, yeah. you know, so therefore he would be able to control, I yes. mean, it's controlling behavior anyway, and I guess yeah. if you didn't work, whether he would actually give you, um, I don't know, pocket money for want of a better word for housekeeping, like we, we don't know, but because you were strong enough to work. So, you know, you were saying that in, um, was, is it Mozambique or was it Zimbabwe where you say that they look out more for women in, they do more for women in this, in the area? What, oh, in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, it was only I discovered when that angel came to me that there's so much more people out there. Even like yesterday, I put it in a group chat, are there any shelters for women in Zimbabwe? And this gentleman, he was so worried with me. I said, are you okay? Can you just run? And I was, I just said to him, no, I am okay. I'm just asking, finding out because there's so many people that they come to me and they're not doing well and they've got this kind of situation and they don't know where, where to knock. Yeah. So I wanted to find out. And this gentleman was, please, please run. And I'm, I'm just finding out where you can go. And <laughs> But oh, you see... Wow your voice out there yeah so, someone always comes but if you're going through domestic violence you don't have a voice you are scared to do anything because you are scared to face your husband what is he going to say yes. so yes yes, yes. okay um so um so oh sophia's just joined us hello lady she said and she's got the strong arms yeah you're very strong very brave um Teresa. um so yeah. i mean i was speaking to another lady in um zimbabwe and she was saying that because i'm trying to look at it from the men's perspective do you know what i mean and um are there any 
is there any schools that teach awareness to young girls and boys? Because as you said, you know, we should also be teaching the boys and men about domestic abuse and that it's wrong to be abusing um, women. Is there anything like that in um, Zimbabwe? I'm sure they learn all these at schools today. Yes. I think the schools, they teach the, these youngsters, also they give them some 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 information and how to behave and what to look for. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I hope so, because, I mean, we do it here but, in, in the UK, yeah. but the question is whether it's enough information. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, who are they teaching the information to? Is it boys and girls as, as well, you know? Um, so I just want to quickly ask about um, your your book you said that you have a book coming out did you say that you had a book coming out yes yeah. yes so congratulations on that so i mean how obviously you know tell us a little bit more about the book what's the book about yes how the book came to be because i did a speech and then and then i touched so many people's hearts people on, like it they came to see me after the speech and they, some they were asking me for help mm -hmm. and, and some they told me you need to put this on paper you mm -hmm. got so much to teach other people and I know that um, I've given few people to read and then just by by that, by reading that they felt like I've touched them as well and this I also I want people to read and to understand how it all starts mm -hmm. and then you know because you we ha we have to be aware yeah. because of the people that are around us and we always trust we give them all you think they are our relatives and families but we have always to watch we always as parents we need to be alert yes absolutely absolutely um, I mean, this, when, when is it, next week, the 8th of March is International Women's Day, and, you know, it's all about women's empowerment. Um, I, I'm sure it's just not going to go on just for that day. It's probably going to go on for the whole month. But as you know, I, I do all year round empowering women and girls. Um, you know, you have a, a, a daughter, you have a child. What, what, what have you taught your child? What, is, what have you said to your child? My daughter, um, she's very different from me. Mm. I think what my life from early days, she decided that she didn't want to be like me. She's mm. very strong. She's actually, she was the one who was telling me, Mom, leave. You'll be okay. Right. Yeah. And she's like my, my coach. Okay. Because she becomes so strong. And I'm the one, like, I always ask her for help. <laughs> That's so true because even um, uh, Sadia, who made the comment earlier on, you know, when I was speaking to her, her topic was for the sake of the children, you know, and the question is that women find themselves, should I stay for the sake of the children? Do you know what I mean? Or do I leave for the sake of the children? And the sheer fact that you said that your daughter said, Mom, we must leave. Do, yes. do you know what I mean? You have to leave for the sake of the children because, I mean... It's right is not the children are not going to grow in the good environment because they learn from the parents and they can never tend to be the right people and today my siblings they always think of me why she turned out to be like that why she didn't the right person they don't know why they don't know it's because of them that's why i chose people that they relate they, they seem to be like it was the people that i knew growing up Yes. So, the children, then, if you're going through domestic violence, please leave. Don't stay because of the children, because mm. the children, they don't learn anything with that environment. They get confused. They, they lose all their confidence. I never, mm. I have zero confidence. I'm mm. only learning, I only start gaining my confidence from four years ago, because I joined some club, and then I'm doing this talk I, I i share my story and through that that's why what you see today that's why i'm writing a book because of i've changed i'm free i can tell my story 
I'm so, I'm so excited for you. For you to say that it's been only four years since you started yes. to find your confidence, do you know what I mean? Yes. And it's, you know, it's amazing how empowered that you must have felt to the point yes. where you can now talk about it. You're empowering and inspiring other women to talk about that, you know, uh, by sharing your story and the fact that you've now written a book and the fact that you have spoken at um, at events. I mean, I don't know what subject matter, you know, but but yeah. this hasn't happened within four within four years. Um, yeah. I think that's the point that I'm trying to make when I started stop sweeping it under the carpet because once you yeah. once you start to tell your story, yeah. you yourself yeah. feel empowered. And by feeling empowered, you go on to empower other women to do the same. Would you absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. Because now I can talk, and the, my past is gone. I don't think of my past because it's a past. I only concentrate from today, from now on, and I keep growing. I keep teaching myself, learning new skills. So I never had the opportunity to learn when I was was younger. Mm. I didn't have because I couldn't learn. I couldn't mm. learn. I couldn't absorb anything because the environment that I was. And also, the children, if they're going through domestic violence, they won't learn. Mm. They, you, their mind is blocked. Nothing beautiful gets in there. So now I have opportunity to learn and I'm learning. I'm very intelligent today. I, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm learning so much and I feel free. I feel strong. I'm I can empower other people. Yeah, exactly. And for you to use the word free, that is such a, that's the operative word, the freedom that you feel. It's almost yeah. as if this weight has been lifted off your shoulders and you can do and be anything that you want to be. So, I mean, we're wrapping up now, actually. We're actually coming to the end of the interview. That was quick. I mean, it's quick. So, what I want women and girls to take from this interview and all the interviews that I do is that if you are in this situation where you are, you find yourself being abused and make note that it's not always physical, that there is hope. There is hope. You are clear evidence, you know, that there is hope that you can get out of it. So if there is someone watching this who is going through a similar experience, what would be your message to them? You must make a decision because you always think that no, you won't survive out there, but you will survive. Look at me when I left, I didn't have anything, but my because inside of me, I was strong. That's all what you need. You need to find yourself. You don't need anyone. You just need to find yourself. You just need to find a little bit of uh, a work. You have to start working in something for you to be strong. You cannot just live and then sit at home idle. You have to find a passion that you like and you enjoy and you can start doing. That's the only thing that you make strong inside of you. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. But you must, you must not sit there and, and get destroyed. Because these people, they can destroy you. You will never going to be anything in life. Yeah. Because I, I, I used to take a lot of sleeping pills. I had such insomnia from early age. Today, I am sleeping well. I don't need tablets or anything for, for myself mm. to be happy. I mm. am 100% happy. Mm. Of course, I can never be 100%, but I am happy and I feel... I feel that I can encourage other women, please leave if you're going through domestic violence. These people, yeah. they will never change. They yeah, will never exactly. change. Exactly. And it, it will be happier in the long run. You'll be saying, why didn't you leave before? Yes. Exactly, exactly. And it's about building resilience. And I think if you look at where you are now, if someone was in that situation, look where you are now and look into the future. Do you still want to be in this same place? you know, 10, 20, 30 years time? No. Well, the answer no. would be no. So then you have to start to do something about it. You have to start, yeah. and I'm, I'm not going to say get up and leave because I don't know yeah. what the situation yeah. is. But yeah. you have to find a way, even if you're talking yeah. to a friend, and you have to reach out to somebody. Um, so, it, yeah. 
the thing is, I was always complaining. And all these women that they're going through this, we are always complaining and talking that they're not happy, but they still don't have courage to leave. Yes. But if you're complaining all the time, it's because something is not right and something is never going to change. Mm. Please have the courage. Courage and speak to people that encourage you to be strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we've come to the end of our interview, um, which I said was, I mean, I'm nodding like this. I feel my head's going to drop off because I agree with exactly what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I will encourage you also to put the name of your book in the in the comments bit and where people can um, get it from. And obviously Please. your contact yes. Else, put that in the in the comments after we come off air as well. Um, but Teresa, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us. Well, for joining me actually. Um, and I totally agree with everything that you've said. And of course, continue to be the beautiful person that you are and empower um, you know, women and girls because we need to draw a line under this. We need to keep talking about this, we need to educate, create awareness on this subject matter. Um so any final words before we go? And all the best. We must have fun on our Women's Day. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we must celebrate. We must <laughs> and thank you so much. We'll keep in touch. This is not the end. Of course, of course, of course. And thank you for Dylan, Dylan Huber. I take it they might be a relative of yours. Very inspirational. Thank you so much um, is the message. Thank you so much for those who contributed and who are watching the video. And please do, watch it on the replay, please do put a comment in there. And if you want to reach out to Teresa, please do so as well. And with that, um, we can end our broadcast. So take care for now. Until next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Okay, so that was my interview with Teresa. So if anyone is experiencing any form of domestic abuse, please do reach out to someone who may be able to help you or contact some um, a local authority or someone in your area. Do not suffer alone. And with that said, um, take care until next time. Bye-bye. Hi and welcome again to another episode of Stop Sweeping It Under The Carpet. So um, last month I had counsellor, well the former counsellor actually of Barkin and Dagenham in the UK in London who was sharing um, information with regards to the Domestic Abuse Commission report that's been launched in that area and that was due to the high rise of reported domestic abuse. So I have um, a young lady today who will be sharing her story um, as she was part of the report, you know, compiling the report. So here we go. Um, this is Stop Sweeping Under the Carpet, where I invite women on to share their stories. And it's a way of um, empowerment and to empower other women as well, that we can't keep silent. We mustn't be silent with regards to any issue um, about domestic abuse. So, Dimple, if I can ask you to introduce yourself. Okay, thank you, Jacqueline. Um, good evening, everyone. Um, I'm sorry about this evening. My name is Dimple Patel, and I am an abuse, uh, you know, a survivor from DV. And I wanted to reach out and just kind of say, it's okay to talk about it. You know, no one's going to judge you in that in that aspect, and. Especially in the Asian community, it is all um, known as, you know, just be quiet. You don't want to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. Being as, you know, status, it's like a status thing is that, you know, we are, we don't have these problems in our society. In our mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it is, it's all about how we can just, you know, eradicate and get rid of that kind of stigma that's attached to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So as Dimple said, she's here to talk specifically, directed specifically, all women, but specifically to the Asian community, because as you said, there's this stigma um, surrounding domestic abuse and that you're you you know, you, you you're not supposed to talk about it. You're just supposed to sweep it under the carpet and, you know, it's not healthy and, and that's not the way forward. So let me just start off by asking, um, so when did, um, in your relationship, when did abuse 
when did you start recognizing abuse in your relationship when did it start and how um, i think for me it kind of started with the physical abuse um even though the emotional abuse was there but i didn't recognize it i didn't realize that he was trying to you know things like even after we got married it was like i wanted to keep my name double barreled um like nakam patel and he said to me no he feels as if i'm he still borrowed me from my dad and i thought borrowing okay well you know it was things like that and i didn't think of it at the time and i thought oh do you know what i don't want to have an argument about it because it it's just going to spoil it all and small small things like that and then i remember it was the financial element in terms of you know everything had to be halved 50 50 which was fine because i was working and so was me mm. uh, but then he started getting he was into contracting he was earning a lot more money than i was and mm. then you know friends were saying to me how come you're still paying half where you know you still got children you're working full time and it, you know it, it doesn't seem right to and i was like it's okay it had to be fair and equal and in his mind everything had to be fair and equal mm-hmm. um and uh i think that that kind of stemmed from you know his deep-rooted problems that he had i guess um where he was how he was you know i guess growing up mm. so it's one of those things where I didn't think much of it. He always did tell me he has some issues, but I thought, okay, all he needed was love. And I guess I thought I could fix him. Right. That was my, I thought I could help him, support him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I didn't realize I had my work cut out for me. Right, right. Okay. Wow. I mean, we're talking about this specifically because um, this is the first of a four part series, so to speak. Um, And for our listeners and our viewers, I've invited um, Dimple on because she is part of um, this Domestic Abuse Commission report that was launched in Barking and Dagenham. Now, in the UK, we have different boroughs and Barking and Dagenham even before lockdown, even before the pandemic, had the highest rate um, of reported domestic abuse cases. So um, the the pandemic has shone a light on around the world, globally, on the increase of domestic abuse. So, of course, again, domestic abuse in Barkin and Dagenham has risen even further. So they have commissioned this report and they had um, survivors like yourself participating and, you know, asking, you know, where do we go from here? What is happening in Barking and Dagen and that the rates are so high in this borough than it is in any other borough. So before we get onto that, I'm just trying to set the, the, the what's the word? I'm just put, trying to put some things in context here. Now, I want to go back to um, you, you were saying about the Asian community. What is it about the Asian community that there's this, this stigma um, not, to, not to say anything? I think it's to do with status levels. Right. I think it's to do with levels of status and it's like, you know, we cannot show that we have issues. If there are problems with like mental mental health or substance misuse, we have to kind of say, no, we, we are we are squeaky clean. We don't have any problems. Right, right, right. So when you got married, what was the first what's what's the first recognition? Because I mean, even though you're in this relationship maybe the abuse was happening but as you said you didn't recognize it but when 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 did you start to question because your message is follow your gut instinct so yeah um, you? Uh, so what happened he did a lot of gaslighting so he, he used to say things like you've got anger problems and you've got anger problems and i used to think why is he saying that have i got anger problems so you know when someone says that to you so many times repeatedly you start believing it. Yes, yes, yeah. And I would start questioning my behaviour, and I just think, have I got anger problems? And he said, he used to say things like, it's your dad's fault. He messed you up. And I would think, well, I had a good childhood. I remember thinking I had a really healthy childhood, and I would try and reminisce about, I guess, Miss Piggy, who was my role model at the time. Mm. And he used to say things like, he used to say things like, well, I'm trying to forget my childhood. And I used to think, oh my goodness, like, he couldn't let it go. Right. And for me, it was that constant, you know, oh, you've got the problems, mm. your father's missing. And I used to think, no, he hasn't. You know, he's taught me to be independent. He taught me to do all of these wonderful things. But mm-hmm. because I think I had confidence and, you know, I studied drama at university, all the rest of it. And I think that 
confidence was in there, but he tried so hard to belittle me. Right. Take right. away from me. He tried to be isolating me from my family, my friends. I went three years without seeing my my you know, my mum, my sisters. Oh, yeah. you know. oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it was all because he had this addiction to gambling, to excessive drinking. And it was like, well, stop seeing them and I'll, I'll sort myself out. But again, these were just empty words. Mm. There was no action. Mm. And every time I tried to get an action from him, it was like, okay, well, I'm packing my bags and I'm going to a hotel room. And oh. it, it, you know, I was here with three kids, you know, and, you know, working full time. Uh, I, was, I was just trying to balance everything, trying to process everything in my head. And then again, questioning, what have I done that's so bad? And then I'd ask him when he'd come home a few days later, mm. and he said things like, I'm putting up my walls, you don't understand, I'm trying to sabotage, you know. And I'm thinking, is mm. this the same book I fell in love with? He, he had completely changed. Right, right. So was that, was, was that change quite quickly after you got married? Or was it some time had lapsed after your children or something? What was I think it, it was after our first child. There was always an, a, an impact because of family. He kept on talking about family. He had issues with family. And I kept away from the family. And, you know, and I just thought, you know, this, this thing's not going away. And that's why I thought, okay, maybe I'll stop saying see my family. And maybe things would improve. But things actually got worse because he started earning more money. He felt as if he could just go and have an escapism. And I thought he was having an escapism from me. And I asked him that. He said to me, no, it's from my thoughts. It is because of my thoughts. I need to get away. I need a distraction dimple so I don't think about my thoughts. And I used to say, how about counselling? How about this? How about that? And he used to say, no, you need counselling. Your family needs counselling. And it was like going round and round in circles. Right, right. That's quite interesting when you say that he was not getting away from you, but getting away from his thoughts. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, so if I can ask what, I mean, let me know if, I, you know, if you're not ready to answer any of, any of these questions, but can I just ask, so when people talk about domestic abuse or domestic violence, they, they just think it's just the physical, physical side of it. Um, and these are for our young list listeners. I, I, I feel that I need to say this for our young list younger listeners, um, because they are the ones who mostly believe that, um, well, he's not hitting me, um, so I can't be being abused. Do you know what I mean? But as we know, there are different types of abuse, financial, um, emotional, psychological, intimidation, coercive control, and things like that. What type of abuse, other than you, you mentioned some already, but were there any additional abuse going on? Because they don't come in isolation. We know that they don't come yeah, in isolation. Yeah, yeah he, he'd hit me multiple times. Um, in the end, in 2019, he was charged by assault by beating. Mm. Um, and uh, it was going to go to trial. Um, he pleaded not guilty. But then I, I feel as if I didn't get my justice because mm. I just wanted him to actually stand up and actually say that I've got problems and I do need help. And I was trying to get him to that stage. But again, I, that's why I had to go to the criminal justice system, mm. um, in a non-molestation order, which I had to represent myself in court because I just thought, you know, someone needs to see that I've gone through all of this from, I think, you know, I mean, he was feeling suicidal back in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, right. He said he wanted to, to take his own life. He wanted to take the kids. Um, you know, he was escorted um, to the psychiatric unit with police and uh, believe it or not, he was able to walk out. He was not sectioned. Wow. Uh, which even after all of this, I still think, why did they not section him? Like if, if, he, if he had that intervention that he really needed and yeah, he, he fooled the professionals. He was very good at that. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, no, and he said he's going to go counselling, but he didn't. He fooled everyone. So, mm -hmm. and this is it. And and I, know, I know with confidentiality, when they say we can't disclose that, but I thought as his wife, if he wasn't attending alcohol rehab or something like that, I should have been informed. Mm -hmm. So there are things within the system which I think need to be looked at again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's where you you would be, and the other ladies will be contributing to this report as well, isn't it? What what things moving forward um, can help women or support women going through Absolutely. this? Absolutely. 
I just wanted to, there's one question that people always tend to, we have, because we have to educate, we have to create this awareness. And then during my training, because I've had DB training, one of the things that they say that you shouldn't ask a, um, a victim is, well, why didn't you leave? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Why is it so important for someone to, to educate someone on, to say, well, why don't you leave? Because we, I mean, I know why, do you know what I mean? But tell the audience why you shouldn't say that, if, you know, even if it's a good friend that's trying to help you, you know, you know why shouldn't you say that? um i i i'll I'll come in on that the reason why i didn't leave him because i loved him and i wanted to help him and that's the reason because people say that to me you were educated you were financially okay why the hell did you leave him Mm. and i said i just wanted to make sure he was okay because he had all these problems he he played the victim but then i think to to be honest in the end i would have ended up like losing you know losing my you know losing my rag because i kept on thinking this guy's going to make me go crazy you you know it it, you know i was going round and round it impacted me it impacted my three boys Mm -hmm. and that's the whole idea that's the whole idea of gaslighting isn't it the idea to make the other person think that they're going mad that they're going crazy um yeah you you mentioned your three boys there did he at any time um hit you in front of the boys Yes, there were times. Um, he's also hit my eldest as well, and he would look at me as in to say, "Mama, you're going to do something about this." And I would, I would try and intervene, but my husband—I was scared of my husband too. Um, mm. Was quite scary when he was very angry. He had this em- enormous amount of strength, especially when he was under the influence of alcohol. Um, mm. Lots of strength, lots of strength, and. Yeah, we were scared. So now the atmosphere is completely different at home. The boys are a lot more relaxed. Mm. Uh, I've told them the stuff that I'm doing with the media and they're actually supporting that because they're saying, mum, if you can help another mum, that's great. Yeah. If you can help another boy or a girl mum, that's that's wonderful. So that's mm. what I would like to do is obviously educate the young people because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I was at school or college, I wish there was someone around to kind of recognise the signs around, you know, mental ill health. Yeah. Watch out for these kind of signs, you know, yeah. manipulation, gaslighting, all yeah. these things. You know, people just say, okay, find a nice guy, settle down with him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's not like that. Yeah, at it, all. it isn't, it isn't. And, um, you know, I've been doing Stop Sweeping Under the Carpet and, and inviting women onto my show to speak about their experiences. Well, I think nearly two, three years now, time has really flown by, you know, and the fact that I've taken, I'm so passionate about sharing the stories, do you know what I mean? Um, to the point where I've written my book about it, a fictional book, um, just to show not so much the physical side of it, but more the coercive side, the, the part that nobody seems to know about. And even though coercive and controlling behaviour was deemed... Um, lawful unlawful back in 2015 i think it is you know if there's there's still such we haven't even scratched the surface to be perfectly honest do you know what i mean so you know having stories like this and your son is right maybe when you share your story the hope for me and for yourself is when you share these stories it has a domino effect that other women will say oh well that happened to me and i think for you particularly because you're from an asian background um, and how you know they're not going you know women are not going to come forward and they see someone like you coming forward and speaking on it then they too will hopefully build up the nerve and the courage to speak about it as well so you know i i my hope really is that you know these stories will have a domino effect and if it can save one person's life then you know you you've, you've done it do you know what i mean it's, it was worth, I'm not saying that it was worth getting all the beatings for them, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but your, you know, your story would have contributed to them making that decision. Yes, yes. Um, I wanted to ask about um, what, you said that the reason why you wanted to tell your story, when you, how did it go about you making your contribution to Barking and Dagenham? How did that come about, being one of the, the selected women um so before while i was in the relationship with him um and uh you know when he 
you know, when he hit me and I was looking frantically for local support from the local authorities. So that's when I noticed DV Flag East. So I saw that and I called them up and then I got some advice from a solicitor. Okay. That was really, really helpful. Um, and that, you know, at that point I thought, where else can I go? Because I wanted some free advice in terms of where I stand legally, even though the house was under you know, joint names, and then, and that's what I mean, while I was still controlled beyond the grave, because mm, even though I paid off my house, which I paid off, mm. he actually, back when we purchased the house in 2010, he did something very sly, he put the house under tenants in common, which he protected its 50%, oh. which I didn't know, I did not know, and when I got in touch with obviously land registry, they told me paperwork was submitted in 2010, which I just gave birth to my son. I wasn't, I trusted him. Right, right. He didn't, right. I, went, I paid the deposit, I paid the final balance of the house. So therefore, I'm still being controlled. So even now, he left half of the house to my three boys, but now I'm in a position now, should I want to move, I'm only going to get home. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That is quite manipulating, isn't it? So underhand, yeah. really. He, he had to have the last the last say, I guess, Jacqueline. It, yeah. And I think it was to do with control because his last words to me were, I don't care if I lose you, I don't care if I lose the kids, but you can't tell me what to do. Wow. Wow. I mean, we, must, we yeah. must say at this point that your um he committed um suicide, didn't he? He did, yeah. He took wow. his life. He, uh, he asphyxiated himself, yeah. And how did you find out about, how did you find out about that? Um, I got a, a phone call from uh, his dad and he left me a voicemail and then a few hours later I had police turn up at my door. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it does certainly seem as if he has had the last, not the last yeah. one, but you know, as you said, he's going to control you even though he's no longer here. Yep. Mm. He made, or he, he wrote a will a one, one month before he did it as well, saying that she should not have anything because she's going to give it all to her family. And I'm like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. But we can see, I, I mean, for you telling your story now, it, you can even see from back then that, you know, there were mental health issues. Um, yeah. it, I mean, I'm not a professional or anything like that, but based on what you're saying, the fact that, you know, you know, he's he's running away needs time to process his thoughts i mean okay yeah we all need time to process our thoughts um but it sounds it feels and sounds as if there were some mental health issues um yeah were you able he was to diagnosed with depression and anxiety in 2016 but after reading his suicide letters it does seem that he obviously had deep-rooted psychological problems because there was no accountability from him he was blaming everybody Right, right. Okay, so let's go back to the family, because I know that, you know, in the Asian community, they're a very close-knit family. So, you know, your parents, I don't know if they're still with us, but your parents or your extended family, how did they receive it? Did you try to reach out to them? Because I know you said that um, you hadn't seen them for three years, but prior to that, um, were you able to voice yeah. I was close, I was very close to my siblings, and my siblings as well used to say that he was jealous because they used to think, why is he behaving like this? Why can't he just see that we're all very close? We're a very close, tight-knit family. Mm -hmm. And then um, over time, and again, same thing, you know, my family is that you know what, let's, let's just have that distance because it seems that he, you're going to be happier and he's going to be a lot happier, so let's do that. But again, it, it, I think they were just excuses because he still continued doing what he wanted to do. Mm. Um, I remember there was one time where I wanted to go out for, you know, some dinner with him, went mm. for dinner, and he said to me, right, I want to, can you withdraw 300 pounds at the, uh, your bank account now? Otherwise, I'm not going to come home with you. Here's the house keys, you know? So he gave, and I was like, what, are you for real? You know, you're going to do this to me? And he goes, yep. So because he had quite a lot to drink, I didn't, I didn't want to leave him in that state. So I said, okay, so like an idiot, went to the cash point, took out the money and I gave it to him. And then he said to me, see, it wasn't so hard. And I remember saying, I'm going to, 
you know, obviously tell your family about this. And then he said to me, well, it's your own fault. Don't you know I'm a sick man? You shouldn't have taken me out. Right, right. So the blame always comes back on you, isn't it? So yeah. No and I thought, as, as, as a wife, I just wanted to go out with my husband and spend some time with him. And I thought, my God, I couldn't even do that. So, mm-hmm. so already he was um, blaming me. I already felt like a single mum because he was isolating himself. He was kind of withdrawing himself with me and the kids. Mm-hmm. So then he kind of painted this picture that he was a family man and all the rest of it. Those were lies because... Even up until this day, people ask me, how are the boys? How are the boys? So they ask about their dad. I'm like, not really, no, because mm. he was kind of a shadow in our lives. He was hardly mm. there. Mm. Yeah, there's um, one thing that everyone, most of the women that I speak with, what they say is that the partner portrays himself to the rest of the family and friends as this lovable person, this lovable guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why it melt in your mouth? Do you know what I mean? So and you're here saying yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and same thing, Jacqueline, I found out from his managers that he actually wasn't attending his office. He would be online, but to me, he'd say to me, he's going to the office. But when I spoke to his manager, she said, no, he was always online, but he was hardly in the office, maybe one day a week. And I think, where the hell was he going? Then I worked out that he probably used to get the train straight into central London, sit somewhere, work from Wi-Fi, wherever he was, and then... I found a whole lot of betting clips for the area that he was in. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So, I mean, so where are you now then? What, you know, from this report as well, yeah. you know, what do you want to see Barkin and Dagenham do as a community? Because what they're saying is, you know, we're going to be collated all this information, we're going to process it, and we're going to you know, use it as a blueprint for the other London boroughs. What are you expecting from this commission report? Yes, so obviously I've looked at obviously all the outcomes um, which, they, yeah. which they've highlighted. And I do think in terms of all of them, the children are also the survivors of the, you know, of, of the abuse as well. Yeah. And it is about supporting the young, you know, the children that have gone through it, but also educating the young people as well mm. to recognise safe and healthy relationships. So for me, it would be something along, you know, possibly forming these sort of workshops in schools, in colleges to kind of demonstrate actually now you can change this into a positive outcome. You've mm. just seen some role play. How would you change it? So you're empowering the young people to recognize the signs of abuse, to change it into a positive outcome. And if that could be replicated across all the kind of you know London boroughs, mm. that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So you're using kind of forum theater to kind of show the young people actually, yes, this is the way to kind of do it. Right. So how, how do you see that? Do you see that within the schools or, as you said, in, in, the, in workshops within the local community? Is there going to play, be a place where people, women or men or young people can go to, to to get this information? I think it should be in schools because I think in terms of kind of emotional intelligence, it could be all part of the toolkit that is provided for creating the future of Britain as well. So... Mm. All these kind of skills which we want our young people to, to turn into leaders. Mm. These are all the kind of skills that you're going to get in terms of self, self-esteem, confidence, recognising, listening to other people mm. and actually creating that balance and also controlling their own emotions, mm. which is so important. Yeah. To walk back from a professional meeting, for example, is no good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a former teacher, so I know about um, PSHE and those classes and I guess, you know, some... Um, sexual and um, healthy relationship um, sessions or lessons are going on in those um, classes. Um, but it's how deep those sessions are going to be. Are they just going to be surface level information or, you know, how my concern is how much in depth those lessons or those, you know, that information will be um, in terms of educating um, young people in schools. Um, I think in schools, I mean, they've got a, teachers got a lot to handle as it is. You know, I think there should be something within the, the local community where, as well as schools, but I think there's so much pressure with, with teachers going on in schools as well that don't just rely on the school. There must be other options. 
um, where women... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, like a community-based um, theatre company, you know, drama group can actually get together and do that. I mean, my background is in drama and education, so I okay. do recommend in terms of kind of citizenship, democracy, it's mm. also about in kind of doing that in terms of healthy relationships and you are empowering the young people to recognize the signs of abuse absolutely so they can bring it into you know the outcomes the young men can do that can actually because sometimes they have they had these role models i guess when they were younger it wasn't as healthy as it should have been it should have been because they never saw good behavior from other figures they're replicating thinking it's normal and i wanted to break that cycle having three young boys myself mm. you know my husband it was a drinker drinking mm. every day and he came from a drinking culture which i wanted to change right 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 okay if i can just quickly name some of the outcomes that were um described mm -hmm. in the in the report but yeah. one of was talking about the first well the first one was professionals and services healthy relationships and young people as you just said trauma informed mm. what trauma informed do you know what trauma informed is well, I think it's obviously working with the trauma itself. So also when we're listening to other people's stories, you know, when you're carrying all of that with you, it's also about kind of clinically getting that off your chest as well as a professional. Right. So, right. you know, we've obviously everyone's had a bit of trauma. Everyone, you know, says to me, well, how are you still standing after that? How are you able to work a full-time job? How are you managing? And I was just like, well, at the end of the day, I'm carrying on because I've got that resilience to carry on and continue and actually and push through. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 the reason. And I just want to make sure in the future there's no other dimples who it, this happens to. Yeah. I really want to. Yeah. I'm going to mention this one. Um, outcome number five: perpetrators and challenging abusive behaviours. Now, you know, I I get so frustrated because the onus always seems to be on the women. Um, yes. So for this outcome, outcome number five, when it talks about perpetrators, what 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 do Barking and Dagenham want to do with perpetrators? Barking and Dagenham would like to do with that is actually working with the perpetrators and seeing, looking at their behaviours and why they are behaving the way they are doing. So it's not focused upon the victim, mm. how she, you know, or he may need to adapt, but remembering that it majority is is usually the male who is the perpetrator. Mm actually looking at his behaviours, looking at the root cause of the problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, okay. Um, and outcome number six, community groups and community spaces. And number seven is child survivors of domestic abuse. So, you know, so, okay, so what's happening in the community at the moment? Is there anything, have, has things, because I, I mean, I know it's a new report and they've got, you, yeah. I think it's five years yeah. they're going to give themselves. So have you seen any changes um, happening, being implemented? Well, um, I can talk uh, for myself and the other, you know, young women that I'm working with who are also survivors. We are working extremely hard, um, my other peers, and we're going to be actually working around to get referrals with refuge, from refuge, so we can support victims of DB into kind of healing themselves again mm. through kind of confidence building, running self-esteem workshops, all, all, all of that. Because after you've gone through such traumatic experiences, you know, when they take that everything away from you, yeah. it is to kind of, it's about the self-care, the nurturing that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're going to be working on. So the idea is that we will become a CIC, um, you know, okay. that as well. Right, okay. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, if you need any help, just let me know. And um, the, the final one, um, child survivors of domestic abuse, and they, I mean, I've, I've done a program on children um, as well, and their voices are not heard. They're almost sort of forgotten about, um, you know, but, you know, to have that as an outcome, you know, is definitely, it's something that definitely has to be there, because as you said yourself, you know, your children were there, they, your children were, were part of that. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I think there should be some sort of like um, work going on between, you know, the mother and the children so we can kind of build up together. So I'm getting a little bit of support um, with the frontline um, so the social worker who's working with the boys, um, mm. which she, you know, she's great. And it's just to kind of make sure obviously the support is there. They can kind of let off any thoughts or feelings that they have through counselling. Mm. And also just to kind of 
keep the lines of communication going as well. So I'm very open about it. You know, I, I ask them, you know, it's, it was your dad's birthday. Do you want to do anything? And they're, you know, they're like, no, we don't want to do anything. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so I just always acknowledge that, yeah, it, it was there. Um, and just to kind of, but then the choice is there if they want to do something about that. Mm -hmm. Can I just ask, um, how is your eldest? Ten. Ten. Can I just ask, um, have they shown any traits of your husband? Can you see any traits of your husband in them, of in the, the sort of behaviour towards you? Um, not really. Uh, well, that's good. Nothing that's come just yet, but you know, I, I, I can't say for the future, but for now, I mean, I keep talking to them about respecting women, you know, without women, you would not be on this planet because, you know, women's given birth to you, you respect the women, like, you know, all these wonderful things, like, yeah. you know, and my brother, my brother who was, who was out of my life for so long, um, he's a really positive role model for the boys, so the boys really look up to him, mm. and it's so nice um, to kind of do that, and it, actually, it's my son who actually said to me, look, mom, if it wasn't for dad, you would never reunited with your brother, and we would have never got to have a lovely uncle. Right, right, right. Okay. So he's seeing, he's seeing that, you know, what, Mom, because of that, if, if we, A didn't happen, then we wouldn't have got B to B, we wouldn't have reached there. Right, right. So. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, we've, we've more or less come to the end, actually. <laughs> so are there any, what's the message? What's the final word? If someone is watching, you know, um, this video and they are in a similar position, what would, What's your message to them? I would say that don't ignore your inner voice. You know deep down what's really happening in your house, what's happening with you. And if you're saying to me financially, I'm stuck, or this is the reason, or because you know he's a good dad for the kids, but for me, I'm willing to sacrifice my happiness for the kids because often I do hear that. Mm. Well. All I'm going to say is that you count, your feelings count, and you're only going to resent that person. So don't stay in there for the kids, because sometimes the kids are going to end up saying, well, mom, why the hell didn't you do this? Yeah. Why didn't you? So take that step, be brave, you know, and be courageous, and you can do this. And there is, there is support out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you so much for that. Thank you, Dimple, for sharing your story. Um, I really do hope that it helps um, other women and I do hope that if there is someone in a position that's such as yours that they do um, seek professional help or if not reach out to a family member if they can mm. or friend and not to suffer in silence so yeah um, yeah yeah the thing is it's always that I remember the the way people talk about it is that keep keep the problems in the house no one else must know about it so don't yeah. talk to your friends don't talk to anyone don't talk mm. to the mums at school yeah and it really like it was literally like what can i do that i you know it just it's constantly being controlled it, and it really you know and i wouldn't wish that upon anyone mm -hmm. yeah Okay, well, that's it. We're, we've come to the end. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you guys have any comments, then, you know, put it in the comments box. If you have any questions, then also put those in the comments box as well. Thank you so much for your time, Tim Dimport. Take care until next time. Bye for now. Thank you, Jacqueline, for me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was Dimple Patel sharing her story with us. So do keep tuned in to Stop Sweeping It Under The Carpet. As I said to you before, I do have um, a few other women who will be talking about their experiences and their contribution to the commission report that was launched by Barkin and Dagenham. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.